0: Some time ago, there was a survey asking the question, how much money would it take for you to obtain the, the American dream, whatever your American dream is, and it's interesting. Those who earned, let's say, around $25,000 per year, they thought they would need about $54,000, in other words, a little over double. <clears throat> Those who earned $100,000 a year thought they, to achieve, to achieve their American dream, uh, they would need about $192,000. The conclusion of the survey showed that Americans thought they would have to double their year, yearly salary to obtain what they thought was the American dream. And what's crazy is after you, you know, you think I can remember as a kid. Uh, I went to Park uh, Elementary School called Park View, and uh, and I can remember really walking home and thinking to myself, you know, someday I'm going to be. An adult, and if I can just make twelve thousand dollars a year, I'd be on Easy Street. <laughs> think about Literally. that. Think about that. Yeah, I'd be living on Easy <laughs> Street. I would. <laughs> I wouldn't have a house or anything like that. But it's amazing how your your thoughts change, huh? With time, and uh, at, fir- at one time you think this is what it would take then to, to, have, to have the American dream, and then you get there, and all of a sudden that's not good enough, and you want another, and then you want another, another. And, you know, what's the American dream anyways? I'm not sure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this good time when I get to share this word with my friends. And, Lord, it's a word that you gave me to share. I know you did. And, God, I pray that my friends would uh, really hear what's being said and uh, they'd be challenged to look within themselves. Thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't want you to say anything. But think about this. What is the definition? What is the word for this definition? An excessive desire to acquire or possess more than what one really needs. How many things? How many think they know the answer? You think you know the answer? Okay, what's the answer? Greed. You got it. How many said greed? I thought it was greed. Oh, okay. You got it. It's greed. And so greed is one of these things. You wonder, is God indifferent about, what, about greed? What is greed? Um, what's it all about? How does God feel about greed? Uh, this is America. And we have a lot here. I'm telling you, we have a lot in this country. And so I want to talk about greed. In Colossians 3, verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature... Now, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and what? Greed. greed. Look at the category. Now, King James says the covetousness, but it all says which is idolatry. So it's all a form of idolatry. This means God considers greed an an evil and shameful desire that must be pushed from the heart and mind of every believer. Why? Because God sees greed as a type of idolatry. Are you with me so far? Tim, you with me? Okay. In his letter to the Messianic Jews, Paul wrote in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he said, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. The love of money. Now, at, 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 I was just at my grand, at my grand Noah's uh, soccer game, and uh, I saw a girl wearing a T-shirt that said "Happiness is expensive." And I commented to my wife, "I said that, that's kind of a funny saying. Happiness is expensive. It might be funny, but it's not true. It's not true. Happiness is not expensive. Fact is, this money in itself." does not bring discontentment and unhappiness but the love of money does bring discontentment and unhappiness my dad used to say rich or poor it's good to have some money yeah well you may think frank are you saying to earn a good living and having nice things are bad because they show greed no no that's not what i'm saying I'm not saying that making a lot of money and having nice things shows greed. Greed has to do with one's attitude. It doesn't matter how big or small your paycheck is. Both rich and poor are susceptible to greed. So, Frank, how do you know when you stepped over the line into the area of greed versus just just having things? Well, here's some signs that you might have stepped over the line. doesn't mean you have, but you might have stepped over the line. You might have stepped over the line if you worry about your, more about your money than managing it. You might have stepped over the line if you're constantly comparing what you have to others. You might have stepped over the line into the area of greed if you're mostly focused on what you don't have and deeply want rather than what you do have. And you might have stepped over the line when your desires for something or some things become real excessive. In Mark 9, verse 20, and then he added, It is it it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. What's the next one? Greed, Greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things. Greed is in the category of vile things. Come from within, they are what defile you. So greed is a defiler. So would you say greed is something that comes from within a person and defiles him or her? Sure, you just heard what I said. Now I'm gonna turn now I'm gonna turn the boat a little bit. Stay with me, okay? John, stay with me. You with me? Okay. By the way, that was a good drumming today. In Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, That's Jesus, teacher. Or, Rabbi, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of what? Greed. Greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Think about this. The farmer went to bed thinking he was a rich man, and by morning he was a dead pauper who had left all of his property and produce behind. And who knows who really got it? If he had allowed the Son of God to save him from his sins, he would have accumulated true and lasting riches, and he wouldn't have found himself destitute with his death. Now, a key to understanding this parable is the first part of verse 15, which says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. It amazes me how many believers erroneously think that their prosperity is a seal of God's love and approval. I wonder what they think of the late Mother Teresa who was a poor, humble woman. You know, the Bible is a universal book. This is, this is, this is for all mankind. And we have a tendency... To Americanize the scriptures and a country like America where there's prosperity we think that's God's hand okay but what about the, the countries that are very poor see it's for them also and so you, you can't say that it's a, a seal of God's approval this prosperity business There used to be, in fact, it's kind of phasing out right now. This name and claim it type stuff—it's it's phasing out. You know, it seems to come in and go out, and come in and go out. I kind of wish it was true. You know, I would walk up to a Cadillac, put my hands on it, and say, "In the name of Jesus, become mine." <laughs> you know, I do all kinds of stuff like that. You know, I would do this and that. It doesn't work. It's not true. Jesus said, watch out. In other words, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And we must constantly watch out for greed because it can spring up almost overnight and even change from year to year. You know, greed can be realized in certain areas. Greed can be realized in the act of of hoarding. The hoarder is usually insecure about the future. The hoarder usually trusts in their possessions rather than in God. And, it, and, and because of that, the hoarder usually falls into the trap of seeing his resources to benefit only one person, self. Next is greed can be realized in the act of overspending. This form of greed is usually found in the life of an impatient person. They they confuse their needs with their wants, and because of that, they spend more than their income allows, which leads them into debt because of something called credit cards. Greed can be realized in the act of comparison. Greed is a close cousin to envy. Envy. Greed feeds the competitive sense that it's important to match the lifestyle of somebody else. So greed will drive an envious person to spend and keep on spending until they feel equal, which they hardly ever do. And greed can be realized in the thought of entitlement. Many times greed lies behind the thought that someone else owes you something. The entitled person lies to himself, thinking, I don't have the money for this, so somebody else ought to buy it for me. After all, I deserve to have it, and to have it without working for it. It's not uncommon for those with the thought of entitlement to go on a consuming binge. Why? Because it's easy to accept the mistaken idea that it's the rich people who are the greedy ones. In Luke 12, verse 15. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Doesn't. Just because you have a lot of stuff, that's not your life. Fact is, your spiritual significance should never depend on your worldly wealth. You Hear what I'm saying? Never. In other words, as a believer, your significance should never come from what you purchased or what you've earned. Your significance should come from who you are in Jesus Christ. That is our significance. My significance isn't because of this or that. My significance comes from being a child of God. That's my significance. It's a good significance. I could take that to the bank, and you can too. You'll never feel inferior. I'm a child of God, of God Almighty. makes you walk with your head up. Every child of God can walk with their head up because of that. Your significance is found in Christ. Now, I'm going to turn the boat again a little bit. Stay with me. In this parable of the rich farmer, by worldly standards, that farmer appears to be very successful. But Jesus called him a fool. And the question is, why? Why did Jesus call him a fool? Does does Jesus have a prejudice against successful farmers? I don't think so. This farmer seems to have good business sense. Is Jesus against good business sense? No. No. Maybe Jesus is against wealth. No. Fact is financial wealth is neither good nor bad. Financial wealth is a type of force. And what is done with this force depends on the person who's controlling it. So why did Jesus call the wealthy farmer? A Was it because he was dishonest? We don't know if he was a crook or not. Was the farmer making moonshine in his barn? I doubt it. Was the farmer a terrible employer? Scriptures don't say. So why would Jesus call him a fool? In other words, when he calls him a fool, he's saying, you mindless, ignorant person. That's what that that, that really means call someone in a biblical sense a fool, a mindless ignorant person Jesus called that wealthy farmer a mindless ignorant person, he called him a fool you know why? because he was an atheist he had no presence of God Jesus knew what that farmer was thinking In Luke 12, 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I want you to notice that wealthy farmer was storing crops for himself, and God was never in the picture. In the eyes of man, that farmer was rich, but in the eyes of God, that farmer was a fool because he was not rich towards God. He he was a fool because he had no thought of spiritual investments of any kind. Matthew six nineteen, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasures in heaven. You know, you may not know this, but this there's, there was a woman that used to be part of our, our church back when it was on Burleigh. She was a very elderly woman. And some of you, how many remember Mary Nusslein? Just a few of you, okay. Well, it's some old-timers. Uh, Mary Nusline. Mary Nusline was a very, uh, she, when she died, she was about 100 years. And uh, I, did the fun- I did the funeral, and uh, her daughters were there. Her daughters were about the age of my grandma. You know, I felt like a kid at that funeral. But Mary, Mary used, to, she used to, she lived about a block and a half from, the ch- from our congregation. And, sh- and she c- couldn't always make Sunday morning services, but she would walk every week. Or, or if the service, she'd make sure that her tie check was in the, the box, you know and she was she was she knew that she her death was around the corner and she, and she, she 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 kept on saying i'm this is for the, i'm going to have the benefits in heaven i'm storing up in heaven and she would she was so heaven conscious she was so heaven conscious that it led her to walk and it took her a long time because, you know, she'd walk like this, you know. Yeah, I remember one day she, she um, there was Bunzells I think, a grocery. She walked all the way over there, and she was walking back, and she had some apples. And I, I saw her as I drove up, and I said, Mary, let me help you with the groceries. And she's walking, you know, um, carrying some and wheeling it with the basket. And I said, let me help you. And she said, no, no, I can do this myself. And <laughs> she took an apple, and she threw it at me. <laughs> and I caught it and she said, Here, eat the apple. You know? She used to say with a German accent, Frank, the spirit is so powerful. You remember saying that? The spirit, spirit is so powerful. I'd say, Yes, Mary, he is very powerful. And uh, she had such a consciousness because she knew she was going to. Meet Jesus face to face. I'll never forget her. To the wealthy farmer, Jesus said in Luke 12 20, but God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Can you now understand why Jesus called that wealthy farmer a fool? The farmer didn't allow Jesus to become the Lord of his life. That farmer kept all of his crops for himself. He didn't invest into the kingdom of God. The farmer lived like there would be no judgment day. That's how he lived. Many people today live like there would be no judgment day. Young people especially. They don't think of a judgment day. They think they're going to live Forever. But by the time you're old enough to get discount coffee at McDonald's, reality sets in. Huh? I'm getting old. There is a judgment day. And I want to be prepared. Jesus warned his disciples in Luke 12, 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. It was King Solomon who said in Ecclesiastes eleven nine. 9, Young man, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do all you want to do. Take in everything, but realize that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Talk about a Jewish guilt trip. Do what you want to do. <laughs> but God knows what you're doing. And you have to give an account. So now you know why Jesus called that wealthy farmer a fool. So let me leave you now with a homework assignment in the form of a question. Don't do it now. On your way home, start your homework assignment. You see, there's buttons there from a one to nine. One to nine. One is low, nine is high. Are you rich toward God? Push the button. Which button would you push? Hmm. I thought about that. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe there's an area I need to repent. Hmm. Because it's not a nine, I'm going to have to give an account. There is a judgment day. So take that home with you. Let that be your homework assignment. Think about it. Think about it. Let's all stand together, please. You know, God loves us. And He warns us. He warns us. In a sense, this parable is kind of like a warning. Now, I, I don't I don't I, I don't think there's an, I don't know if there's an atheist here. Atheists don't go to services on Sundays. Not usually, someone drags them. There may be someone here who has never given their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If that's the case, um, after service, the elders will be up front, and I want you to talk to one of the elders, and they're going to introduce you to Jesus. But for us believers, it's a warning too. It's a warning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in your heart as you're doing right as a child of God. In Jesus' precious name. We all said? Amen. Amen. Amen.